I think we highly underestimate the power that is like these younger generations, especially in that sort of like pre-teen, tweeny age. They're so much more capable of whether it's cooking or baking or understanding food and flavors and being curious about them than we give them any credit for. You're listening to The Taste Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Rodbard. Christina Tosi is a chef, TV personality, Milk Bar CEO, and Milk Bar CCCO. That would be the chief compost cookie officer. She's also the author of the new cookbook, All About Cookies, and many others. On this lively episode, we talk about baking cookies, baking cakes, and baking David Chain's birthday cake every year. Yes, there is a story about that. I love catching up with Christina. She's one of my favorites, and I hope you enjoy this conversation. Christina Tosi, welcome to the Taste Podcast. <laughs> Matt, finally. <laughs> I know. We've been working on this time. We've been trying to book this for a while. This is your second appearance. You were here four, four years ago. We did a live event in Midtown. It was so much fun. How the heck are you? I'm doing really well. I mean, it's uh, New Year 2023. That feels good. Or like, uh, I think intellectually it feels good. You're just yeah. like waiting for like what's going to come next as we, we've we all been retrained to think about life and days differently. And I don't know. I, I'm feeling great. I've got no complaints. I just had a handful of frosted animal <laughs> cracker cookies, which I don't know how they're allowed to call those things crackers. They're cookies yeah. that have frosting on them. Um, and it's just exciting to take a take a beat out of like the running the day to day part of Milk Bar to get to oh, hang with you. Yeah, I, I appreciate the time. I know twelve years ago we uh, we we met uh, and we did an interview for your first book. Can't believe it was that long ago. And and you know you had a staggering at the time. It was four Milk Bars and a new cookbook, and it was like wow, there's so much stuff going on. And you joked to me. That in 10 years, you said in 10 years, I think I'm going to retire. So we're 12 years later. (laughs) What are you thinking? Gosh, you know what? I think I learn, I learn a little bit more about myself every day. And I think the thing that I have learned most certainly over the last 10, 12 years is I'm, I'm the type of person that like, I need, I need big goals and big aspirations to get me going in the morning. That's what wakes me up. That's what like engages my brain. It's what puts a smile on my face. It's what fuels me. So if I ever actually retire from Milk Bar, it won't ever be retiring from, I think, baking and thinking about food and putting together flavors in a way that is both um, comforting yet unexpected. I think those are just the things that I've learned that make me who I am, that fuel me, fuel me. But I've also learned that um life is definitely a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. Um and that you have to be careful in this industry, right? Like building a business, building certainly like a bricks and mortar business. Everything's important when you care about what you do and you just have to be careful about how 
how close and how tightly you hold the important things because everything's important. <laughs> I mean, everything is important. You famously look at everything and you're, you're very meticulous and, and, but always with a smile as I've always observed with you over the, all these years, what were you doing today? What was on Cause you must've had a list today. You must've knocked out oh, some things. I have a list. Well, so I have, um, a 22 month old daughter. Yeah. She's new. <laughs> um, she's on the list. She's on the list. Um, Will, my husband, is in the city. I'm in I'm in upstate New York today. And um, the my first question, I wake up in the middle of the night multiple times. One, because I'm expecting baby number two. And he's he's one month away. And you just, you don't really, I don't know, nature has its way of not let, letting you get too far drifted into sleep because you're in like training for when the yeah. new one comes. But so my first thing is like, when is she going to wake up and how much is she going to screw up my sleep schedule? Oh. Cause she is like an acrobat. She gets out of her crib whenever she freaking wants um, <laughs> in the morning. So it's like, is it going to be 3 a.m.? Is it going to be 4 a.m.? Is it going to be 5 a.m.? I lucked out and it was closer to 6, 6.30, but like oh. I was already awake going, okay, I... I want to go to the grocery store because I have all these uh, like ideas for bait club that I want to test out. Frankie needs milk. I need eggs. Like starting to like yeah. play the teeter totter balance of milk bar, Christina and mom, Christina, I suppose. Mm -hmm. So I was already going, okay, you, you know what sanity is going to be this morning. We're going to, we're going to wake up. We're going to let butter out. We're going to make coffee. We're going to go for an early grocery store run. Love that. There's um, something about the grocery store pre 7 a.m. that is special. It's like it's, a special I, hour. Thank you for saying that, Matt. Yeah. I literally uh, was like perusing all of the apples in the produce section. I looked up for a minute and I was like, wow, the other people pushing the carts around right now <laughs> must also have an interesting story. I was yeah. the only one with a toddler in my little front basket but it's it's what time do they wake up what are they coming shopping for why couldn't they do it later in the day mm -hmm. like all these sorts of things but um so I had a really fun morning already that that started out with doing one of my favorite things which is you know wandering up and down the aisles of the grocery store yes. and it's it's always been fun for me at the grocery store is where I first fell in love with food and fell in love with baking which is you could probably draw that line pretty easily once you hear it to how we yeah. do what we do at Milk Bar. But I have to say it's even more fun with this um, little cherub mm. in the in the front in the front seat because, well, one, she sees packaging totally differently oh, yeah. now that I'm a grocery store nerd because you can get Milk Bar in the aisles of the grocery store. <laughs> I right? know. Like, I was going to say she probably is grabbing for Milk Bar. You can find Milk Bar on the grocery store shelves. I mean – what was it like the first time you saw a milk bar product in like uh, a normal grocery store, not like a fancy grocery store, but like a normal grocery store? Cause it's there. Well, you'll love. <laughs> so we launched into the grocery stores basically in the middle of the pandemic yeah. of 2020. And so those moments were, were different moments, but I mean, even to this day, my mom will text me, my aunt will text me photos of like milk bar ice cream in the freezer section of our local like giant in yes. um in Virginia like the one literally the grocery store that we went to every week together to get you know our weekly shop and I I, I can never connect those dots like the intellectual and the emotional of this business yeah. for me I don't they don't connect 
they don't they don't connect and i kind of prefer that exactly as they shouldn't they shouldn't connect because (laughs) your brain should should, you have empathy and you have love and you have like all this spirit and then there's like the hard p l of the business (laughs) which you know that's not the the same brain right (laughs) yes it's so true they don't connect and i kind of love that because it's an out-of-body experience and i think that's one of the secrets to like keeping life fresh and keeping yourself as sturdy in your own aware like self-awareness as possible so speaking of milk bar um i just had a nine-year-old friend named aram o she is a very big fan of yours she watches all of the shows and she visited new york city um for the first time as as a as a young youngster and i introduced her to milk bar and she was so excited to go to milk bar buy a compost or corn cookie and she wanted to go to another one like for real it was so great Wait, which one did you bring her to? The New York City flagship? No, I was down um, down in Soho. Oh, the Nolita one, the, the Nolita. little storefront on Mott Sorry, Street. Sorry, Nolita, yeah, exactly. Nolita Mott Street, that's the one, yep. I mean, you know, the real estate agents, they all have, yeah. they have their little micro names. For yeah, yeah, neighbor. no, Nolita's right. Yeah, and she, and she just was so excited. And, like, I got to ask about this connection with, with nine-year-olds. I mean, you, you have so many young fans so what do you learn from all these young fans that that just like love cooking along with you, um, be it on Instagram or watching your television shows? Or it's buying so cookbooks? interesting. I think I I get two things. One is I think we highly underestimate the power that is like these younger generations, especially in that sort of like pre-teen, tweeny age, Mm -hmm. they're so much more capable of whether it's cooking or baking or understanding food and flavors and being curious about them than we give them any credit for. And I think that's because as, as like, as a humanity, we've just started getting excited and understanding food over the last call it two decades, right? Like really and truly. Um, and I think that that's, that is, that part of it is fascinating to me and an incredible realization. And then the other part of it is, um, selfish, but I get, I, I get a lot of fuel from them, right? Like I drift so much off of the way that they see the world and the way that they show up in the world, whether it's, they're like brilliantly delightful rule-breaking outfits uh, yes. or the way that they like hop like a bunny or twirl forever on the streets for, for no specific reason. Like there's a lightness and a levity to the way in which they exist in the world and do things, whether it's like, uh, we're going to eat animal crackers for, you know, like any of the things yeah. like, but they haven't learned the rules yet. So they're on many levels, they they're breaking the rules without even realizing that there's rules to be had. I, I love it. That that's a brilliant way to show up. I love it. That's such a great, well said about the rules because when when you are operating with pure id, you kind of don't think about rules as much. You just operate. You know, it's like you just do what feels right. It's yes. all feeling. It's so great. And what about like recipes? Have you ever gotten um, like true inspiration from? From a young from a young kid on on one of your shows, I mean that you're like, wow, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna use that in one of my cookbooks. I think there's there's both like the levity of like whether they're making something, you know, in on Master Chef Junior, where they're like, well, why can't these flavors go together? And you sort of go, yeah, I don't know, why can't they? You yes. know, give it a try. Um, I would say that the two that I get the most inspiration from are my two nieces, Charlotte and Iris. When we were writing our cookbook proposal. 
proposal for Milk Bar Kids Only, which is a cookbook that I guess we came out with um, in 2020, mm-hmm. also in the pandemic. I was like, I, I love to bake with them. I love to cook with them. I mean, they're, they make a mess. They do, they do everything wrong and yet everything right. Yeah. But I sat down with them and was like, okay, so I want to write a cookbook called Milk Bar Kids Only. Like, can I give you my list of rest, like recipe ideas? That's how you put a cookbook together by and large as you start with like, what is it going to be? What's it about? How are you going to organize it? And then what's your sample recipe mm-hmm. list of a hundred recipes? And I was giving them like names or ideas or this. And I mean, they just went, one of them, I think my favorite one was there's this muffin recipe called monkey in the middle, Mm -hmm. totally inspired by my niece, Charlotte. And she was like, I think it should be a chocolate chip muffin, but you take a piece like a, like truly a baton of banana and you stick it in the middle of the muffin so you can't see it and you call it monkey in the middle. And you think about all the different muffins that exist in the world. And I've never met a muffin that had a banana literally like hanging out. Charlotte, like no notes, like amazing. That's it. That's it. But also like they're honest. So you, you give them an idea that you have for me. I like the equal exchange. Uh, You have an idea you have. And if it's a bad one, they'll just sort of go like, no, you're off. Like, I don't, I don't know what kid's going to X, Y, or Z, but yeah, they have great ideas. They have great ideas because they, again, they see the world through a lens. I mean, mm. we all see the world differently. And I think yep. they're just one of my favorite brainstorming parties of people as is the milk bar team. And uh, like, yeah, the, the question when you go into the milk bar kitchen is like, how do you turn off reason and rules so that the brainstorm can be as like magical? Yeah. And endless with possibilities. Possible. Yeah, you you don't want to think about like scaling. You don't want to think about like like no. Cost the of second goods. someone says yeah, but what but what happens when right? What's your That's cog? Like, What's your if cog? I hear commercialization cogs. Yeah, yeah. Gross margin, like uh, my ears. I'm earmuffs. I'm not listening anymore. I, I don't it. want to be a part of this. <laughs> I love it. I, I hope you get a lot of that that time and that inspiration. Now you live upstate. I had Will on the on the show a few months ago, and we talked about that. And I'll link to that episode in the show notes. Um, but you live upstate. I, I moved upstate myself uh, in the past couple of years. And what's what's it like not living in New York City and having a little more space? I mean, are you are you feeling are you feeling it upstate? You, you know, I, it's so funny. If you asked me where I lived, I'd be like, I live somewhere in New York. I'm not really sure if I live in the city or if I live upstate because I'm, I find myself, I'm always a little bit everywhere. I think pre pandemic, I would have said, I kind of live in New York and I kind of live on an airplane. Like I live at all the bakeries. I, I love, I love the time that I spend upstate. I grew up in um, the Midwest and in the suburbs. So Mm -hmm. being a New Yorker has always been, something that I loved. I get so much fuel and energy from it. But the things that I always thought were strange were like, you can't really go grocery shopping in New York. My mom, for maybe the first decade I lived in New York City, would send me like toilet paper and shampoo and paper (laughs) towels and boxes because- You know, you would you you bring your car up and then you get a bunch of stuff and you put it in and she couldn't get over like one how expensive everything was mm-hmm. and then two like you can't buy one roll of toilet paper at a time, Christina. Like that really is like not cash savvy. <laughs> She's also an accountant, so forgive yes. forgive the financial woes of it. But um, I think that part of living upstate means you have a little bit more space. There's it's a different way to breathe, I'd say, mm-hmm. than in New York City. 
Um, I love being outdoors. I've always been like a runner and an out, someone that I get a lot of energy just from fresh air. Um, and I get a lot of that here, but you know, the other side of it is you don't get the hustle and bustle Definitely. that you get when you spend time in the city and you don't get the same grit and New York city has its own rule breaking, you know, rule breaking moments. You get, you get different moments of inspiration that, um, that fascinate in different ways. So I'd say I probably split my time 50, 50 and right now it's a good balance, but I do spend a lot of time on the road. Yeah. On the road. And and that's definitely part of your life is filming shows and being on the road. And I want to, I want to talk to you a little bit about, uh, about bake club because you struck upon this, this notion of, of this live stream every week and now it's on Fridays. Um, how cool, like, how cool is that? Like, how did you get up, like strike this idea and, and really what are you, what's, what is bait club? What's it evolving into? Cause I feel like I'll go to your website and you can get like a bait club card and it's, it's really fun. It's really fun. So bait club is this, believe it or not, bait club, uh, was born in the pandemic. We used to do bait club every day at 2 PM. So every single day, seven days a week at 2 PM for, I don't know how long, for a very long time. Um, it's, it's this incredible community that we really just started by we, I mean, me and Shannon Salzano, who is the mastermind behind all the things, but we started it because we were in lockdown with everyone else. And we were trying to figure out, you know, our, our truths are if you're a baker, you run a bakery, if you do it professionally, a, a professional baker, like you bake to feed people, you bake to fuel people, you bake because baking is, is your connection to community. And in lockdown, we were still baking a little bit at Milk Bar. We were doing more shipping with care packages mm-hmm. than anything else. But what we were missing was really the one-on-one connection. So we we're trying to sort of go what do we do and how do we show up for people with, with our baked goods in ways that are very sort of like humble and human and what we, we tried a few different things on, but the thing that really stuck truly was this idea that if we showed up um, every day at 2 PM on Instagram live with a very basic list of ingredients and without telling anyone what they were about to learn or what they were about to, yeah. to make just the adventure of bring me what, bring me yourself, bring me into your kitchen and we'll just like wing it from there. Like what kind of magic could really be born out of it? We're now 291 bait clubs in Jeez. Um, every wow. Friday at 2 p.m. And we just recently evolved bait club in 2023. Uh, we've evolved it a few times because at the beginning, we were really dealing with like pandemic pantry learnings of like, yeah. if you don't have flour, anything you have that mm. you can grind down into a flour like state can be a substitution <laughs> for flour in, in cookies, et cetera, et cetera. And now we just recently in 23 moved into uh, moved out of our last evolution, which was baking for others that just needed a pick me up mm-hmm. to this sort of um, straddling the lines of we have more time and uh, it's become every other Friday at 2 PM where you either we go super deep, almost like pastry school, deep dive into a skill. Ah. Um, we just did brioche. So the idea that you are kneading bread to develop gluten for seven minutes and then adding all of these, like, you know, enriched moments of eggs and so much butter and like really waiting for the loaf to rise in and in. 
Um, and then that sort of gets flanked in either direction with a move. And a move is basically like going to the grocery store and grabbing yeah. a few items and putting it together. And it's kind of like a dirty dessert secret or something that's ooey gooey delicious, but that is something you want to put together when you're in a hurry and you're on the move, which is to sort of like acknowledge the, you either have a lot of time and you want to dig into a project yeah. now, or you're on the go and you're trying to get out into the world and figuring out how to show up in bait club terms in both, in both of those yeah. ways. That's yeah. what bait club is right now, but who knows what it will become. I feel like-, like this crazy brilliant community you get your own membership card love that it's so cool and I, I i like the idea of having the mystery ingredients ahead of time and then it being a journey with you as the instructor you're infectious you're such an educator at heart but it's fun i mean food education is not always fun it's some is can be a little bit rote um okay 17 million people celebrate a birthday each day which staggering number you present that in dessert can save the world your book what a business model to make birthday cakes and send them to people, Christina. I mean, I we definitely didn't talk about this 12 years ago, right? No. Like the idea that we could show up for, for, for 17 million people for their birthdays. But I think in the same way, uh, I think a lot of us when we're sort of going like, who are we and what, what do we want to do and what's natural? I try to sort of go back to like the mind what's in you that you already know. I was raised by these wonderful matriarchs that that sent care packages for birthdays. That's how you, that's how you celebrated someone's birthday. You showed up with cake, but usually you sent cake. And the idea that we can help other people show up for one another with something as simple as like a rainbow flecked birthday cake. I mean, you know, the birthday cake recipe, it's far more complicated than that, but like the, the, the simple joy of that is pretty uh, is pretty incredible. It's like, uh, again, one of those like dream come true moments where like you say it, but it doesn't quite connect. No, no, no. And that's totally fine because the day that it connects is like the day that, you know, the universe is just sort of like explodes mm-hmm. in your head. <laughs> you famously baked David Chang a birthday cake each each year. He he talks yeah. about it in his podcast and has has written about it. So you like send it to him wherever he is. What a yeah. What a great friend you are. I mean, well, Dave and I have, if you think about it, like, um, we've known each other now for almost 20 years, yeah. right? Like we've seen each other through the hilarity <laughs> of building business or like taking a dream and trying to make it into a real business of like crazy work trips. Like we knew each other, basically the equivalent of like knowing each other since you were kids. We, yeah. we didn't actually know each other when we were kids, though our parents lived like mile, just a few miles apart from wow. one another we've we saw each other through these like incredible and trying times through relationships through this that the other like this is this is my family member and like yeah. ask any one of my family members there's no way you're celebrating a birthday without a cake showing up from me and so i figure out where he is where he's going to be and i know him well enough to know that he's not going to respond to any of my like no when when the birthday comes near you have to figure out who the moles are in and around him to figure out oh where he where he's going to be because he will not return my te- like if i go straight to him he's not going to return my text because he doesn't like fuss and fanfare. What's the, what's the last memorable cake that you made for him? I, I just, I just, the idea that you go, run to FedEx and you, you get him a cake on his birthday and you make it land at the place he's at, which could be wherever. 
really respect that. I respect that. Friendship. Well, so every every few years, I make him what is basically the Dave Chang special. Mm. It is it, it's a cake that was on the opening menu of Milk Bar, and we bring back every once in a while for special occasions. But it was actually born. Uh, because I made it for Dave once for one of his birthdays. And he was like, this is amazing. It's got to be on the menu. But it's a chocolate chip cake with passion fruit curd. Yes. And chocolate crumbs and coffee frosting. It's like that beautiful Ooh. triumvirate. Wow. It grows together. It grows together, right? Chocolate, yes. passion fruit, coffee. Um, and he he loves it. But like we've shared so many of those like, you know, just like deeply delicious meals. Um, usually the the least fanciful ones or our favorite fast food orders or, or so I know how to really like, you know, cut to the center <laughs> of of what he likes in, in dessert land. And it's a fun game yeah. every single year, every single time it's a fun game. And now I get to bake for his wife and his boys, which is always like yeah. that for me is, uh, I think as a friend, the greatest, um, the greatest joy is to get to like see someone achieve one of their dreams that had nothing to do with their profession. He always wanted to be a dad and, and getting to make the boys birthday cakes. is Ah, that's nice. Really, really for me, really, really, really. So you each have, you have, you have, you have families now and your kids will, you know, get to know each other as you grow. That's, that's really sweet. Did you think you were going to be in that position? No, I mean, (laughs) He would joke like, I don't, you know, like I, I made a deal with the devil, right? Like, like yeah. I don't, I might not make it past 30 being a chef. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, you're going to have to take, you're going to have to start taking life seriously. But you know what it's like in this industry? Like mm-hmm. your job is your family. Your team yeah. is your family. You don't think about you, you, you put everything in, you leave everything on the field and that we both have had the opportunity to, to build families alongside our, our businesses. Yeah. That's really sweet. Now, uh, we played on the last show, we played a little game of F. Mary Kill with, uh, with, (laughs) with cakes, but I want to talk about cookies here. So let's do one F. Mary Kill. I feel like we could do F. Mary Kill a whole episode because you're really, really, you're game for it. But F. Mary Kill, Thin Mints, Nutter Butters, or Nilla Wafer. Ooh. Um, okay. So <laughs> secret, secret household hack of, of the Tozy Gadara household <laughs> is that Nutter Butters reign supreme. Yes. You've ever had a Nutter Butter wafer. They're not the ones that look like peanut shape. They're almost, um, like styrofoamy crackers. And I say that with the utmost love and adoration. I have a case of them, mm. a case. I eat 12 packs. That's like 12 packs. Yeah in in the garage so that's a mary because that's like the day that those go out of stock there's there's some hilarious stories about how far i've driven for a nutter butter wafer um oh this is tough i know and i think it's i think it's an f thin mint and a kill nilla wafers i don't have anything like against nilla wafers they just don't like do it for me yeah yeah i agree i could live without them you know i could live without them my only uh exception is the sugar sweet sunshine lori side bakery used to do banana pudding with nilla I mean, the Nana Nilla is yeah. a, literally a flavor of ice cream that we will come out with in the yeah. aisles of the grocery store later this year because the combo nice. is killer. But I think the Nilla wafer yeah. on its own, nope. it needs a sidekick. Absolutely. Nice call. I agree with you on all these, all, on all accounts. I wish I had a, <laughs> I wish I had 144 uh, Nutter Butter wafers in my garage, and I'm going to change I mean, that. I got you. Matt, if you ever want to <laughs> stop by, you know? <laughs> Um, okay, let's talk about bakeware. I, I had Claire Safitz on earlier this year and, and David Tamarkin from King Arthur on. 
And they kind of like were going back and forth uh, in their own opinions about the the color of bakeware. So do you do you have any hard rules about dark versus light bake, bakeware? Well, it de- <laughs> like all things, it depends. I know. Um, what I will tell you, I think there's a time and a place for both. Part of it depends on what you're baking and by what you're baking, um, what you hope to reduce what you hope to achieve results wise from the baking. Um, when I'm doing lighter bakeware, I almost always use parchment paper underneath yeah. because the lighter bakeware usually doesn't have as um, sturdy of a nonstick um, component or capacity. Um, and the parchment paper helps there. Now I use dark bakeware specifically when I want to get a really nice color, or really nice yep. crust. I usually don't want that in my cookies, but in milk bar terms, because we make so many compost cookies, let's say, we bake our compost cookies on a band oven. It's an oven that's like almost the length of a football field or half the length of a football what? field. And the color of the band is a very, very, very dark color. And so, it, you know, that that color helps conduct heat. And so when we are recipe testing or doing very small recipes on the bench at milk bar, mm-hmm we have to like, we get the closest results. We can bake on whatever we want, but we get the closest results to our like scale up. If we use those darker pans, if you get into really nice, like dark baking pan materiality, you get into this, these really sort of like thin, but heavy French baking sheets. Mm -hmm. And those are really nice. If you're ever trying to layer something like a piece of puff pastry to coat it with sugar, layer it down and get it caramelized on both sides. So yep. what about for, there's kind of a time and a place for each, but absolutely. we should do a bakeware episode of Bake Club because I could yeah. really go on forever. I feel like, there, and then what about like pies? Are you glass or are you tin? Well, that's, the, I mean, like for me, the trade-off is I love glass because you can see what's happening to your sure. crust on the bottom. But I just came out of, you know, two, 300 or 291 days of bake club (laughs) where I will always choose to bake in an aluminum tin because the joy of giving away a pie and not having like ding dong dashing a pie on someone's doorstep is far more important to me than I've I've made enough pies in my life to feel pretty confident in what I've, in, in what I've pulled out of the oven without the glass, but, um, I usually go the route of aluminum because of the giftability. Of yeah, it. I, I think it's nice. I think and giving a gift is glass too is nice, but they have to be a very special friend to give away glass. Right? I mean, that's like yeah. lending someone your favorite book and really yeah. hoping that they read it quick and return. It. I agree. Like those, <laughs> it's, when you go glass, it's definitely like an heirloom. Um, I'm like keep thinking about when you just said like five minutes ago, half of a football field oven yeah. for compost oven, cookies oven. how many are you doing then in an hour like what are we talking about scale wise what's the throughput i mean we bake hundreds of that i mean between our bakeries between uh you know throughout the u.s between our care packages and yeah. and, and our grocery cookies um of which the family is growing uh the throughput it i mean it's the ovens are almost always on there's always a you know there's almost always a batch in the mixer at one of the kitchens the ovens are always on even at like our flagship bakeries where you know you can come in and get um at like the new york city flagship on 29th and broadway you can come and get like your corn cookie fresh out of the oven like someone's always unwrapping butter or mixing or scooping or or pulling out of the oven, which is kind of crazy to think about. It's it's like the new American girl doll 
spot, like the the 29th and Broadway location. I'll walk by. It's so sweet. And I'm, I just I just all all the best for you to make to, to make that happen in that location. I just love the energy. It's such a, a fun place to walk by. Thank you. Yeah. It's a fun place to work. That's for sure. Um, All about cake. All about cookies. OK, so where does this go after those two <laughs> topics for real? You know, it. It's such a good question. So All About Cookies came out not too long ago. Yeah. First cook, uh, I think our first cookbook that became a New York Times bestseller in Pub Week, which was yeah. really fun for us. Like this idea that like we just show up to bake to bake. And we I yeah. tell the team like we've won these kind of crazy awards and garnered these opportunities that no bakery has like any business winning. But I think, I think that that's like the secret to life in on any level. Like if you don't measure your success by anything other than just, Mm -hmm. is this, is this who we are and what we're excited to do? Um, We sort of asked ourselves that question because uh, we have this delicate relationship with cookbooks. I think it's our eighth book. Yeah if that's possible. And we always go, it's such a Herculean effort to, uh, you know, ideate the recipes and then write them and test them and double check them and triple check them and photograph them and tell their stories and edit them. And then you do all the layouts and stuff. And then when we put it to bed, we're like, okay, no more. I know. Yeah. And then once it comes out, you get so excited about watching it show up in people's lives and you go, oh man, I think we got to write another. (laughs) So Shannon and I are playing the game of like, what do you want to bake at home? That's mm. an all about, right? Like we can, we could all about bakeware for you. Yeah. We could all about pie or all about ice cream. But I think the way that we think about writing cookbooks and sharing our recipes with people at home is not, it's not an, it's not an, it's not an ego pursuit. It's a pursuit to say like, what are people going to get really excited yeah. about and actually make it home? Like for me, the death of writing a cookbook is writing one where people don't, that people don't actually cook yeah. or bake from. It's always the complication, especially with you look at a, an ice cream concept and ch- more challenging to get people to make ice cream than cookies. It's more of a, we're not, I, I don't know that we're there yet yeah. as a community of home bakers. I think there's still so many uh, things that we tell ourselves, whether it's true or not about making ice cream from home. And I think the pie thing for me is I could TMI someone about pie, but the way that I would approach pie and we, the way we do approach pie at Milk Bar is very against the grain. Yeah. Um, we make pie crust, but we make pie crust to make pie crumbs, to make pie frosting, to make a layer cake, or to make, mm-hmm. I don't know, like an apple pie cookie, never to make an actual pie. So we're, we're digging. It's, it's definitely a stay tuned because it will be our next cookbook. It's just a matter of what the all about is. Yeah. I, uh, I am so looking forward to hearing what, what, yeah, what you come up with because <laughs> your books are innovative and you, you do break a lot of rules. Um, and speaking of rules, I feel like in television, you push yourself um, in different, like you're you're judge. You're sometimes doing um, mentoring. What other parts of television do you want to get into? You, have you done a game show? I feel like you maybe did a game show too. Oh my god, I have not done a game show. But the only thing that I would ever do, I think, is <laughs> Supermarket Sweep, which like oh. goes back to the full circle. Like oh. I know where, like if if anyone is like i'm gonna go to the grocery store i'm like i gotta go with you because i know i know how the grocery <laughs> store is lined up i know yeah. all the economics i know what i would do like that sort of thing oh no wait i guess we did a showcase showdown on the prices right once you that did was, that was yeah oh that was gosh. a pretty big moment that's a huge moment right there. um 
that was, you could win like the milk bar package. You could be flown to New York city and in and But um, I think the only thing I would ever do is supermarket sweep. But I mean, you know, the, the whole TV thing for me is just funny. Like it's not why I bake. It's not why I moved to New York city or worked my way up in this industry. And I'm, I'm quite the introvert that has had to learn to be the extrovert. And if I never had to like go into hair and makeup again, or have someone be like, this is what you you should wear again. Like, I think I would be every bit as happy, but um, I've made some incredible friends and have learned so much and have, and have, um, like not all happiness lives within your comfort zone. Right. So like that by virtue of doing TV, I've been pushed so far out of my comfort zone that I have really embraced the challenge. But the reason I do it by and large is because when I was working, I think WD 50 was the first restaurant that I was working at. And I was trying to explain to my family, like, what working in food could really be and why it mattered in this like tiny little microcosm of fine dining. Like what are these crazy things we did? It was because Wiley did something that you could see on TV. And I remember my mom sending me an email and being like, I think I just saw the restaurant that you work at on TV and your boss. And she was like, that's really like a little bit like, I get it. That's really cool. So having that connective tissue for, for our team. And then I think, now being like an aunt and a mom and stuff like having the opportunity as a female business owner, as a baker, like just to have something that shows other people that you can define success on your terms and, and create rules on your terms. Um, and to just put myself out there in that pursuit or in that service has been, it has been an unexpected one and yeah. an interesting one. And one of the things that motivates me when I think about saying no, but ultimately say yes yeah. to some of these TV. Yeah. I mean, TV is powerful and you, you bring up the point. It's like, that's when you're the, the second cousin's going to write you and the, the third, you know, the friend from <laughs> high school, it's not going to be from like a, a, a taster eater or Bon Appetit print article. It's going to be from being on television and for food, it's it's cool to see your career evolve into this this really big audience. It's got to be it's gratifying. It must be gratifying. Or like this nine year old Aram O, right? Yeah. Like how else would we have ever like met air quotes met or or known uh, each other? And if you say yes to all the things that you don't think are for you or that are going to make you uncomfortable, you know, at some point you're the one holding yourself back. I think she just wants to text you once. I think that's pretty much what she asked me. Game on. Game on. I can be both a reliable um, texter. I'll always get back to you, but it might take me a while. It might take sometimes you. Sometimes I'm just like, I'm over technology, man. I'm just yeah. trying to like make some split pea soup in the kitchen, oh, you that's... know, on a cold winter night. Oh my gosh. A couple more, Christina. Thank you for the time. Now, I always like to ask um, working chefs, um, where are you going? And I know that you're upstate a lot in Kingston and, and like, honestly, like, is there any places that you like going to upstate or, or, or do you want to shout out any, any New York city places? Mm. So my, it's interesting. Cause I feel like I live a few different lives as to whether Will and I are both upstate, whether one of us is in the city um, or otherwise, but it, I mean, this probably sounds like, duh, you're <laughs> like a pastry chef, but one of my newest fascinations has been um, bringing Frankie out for a croissant date. I'm, I am, yeah. um, I'm very close to having the second baby. So I don't yeah. know if croissants are just like what this little guy is hungry for, uh, but 
I find myself seeking out croissants both like I was like we're going to the grocery store early this morning because I was like we're gonna go we're gonna go see what ShopRite's croissants oh my gosh yes but like I know how and where and when to get a croissant anywhere between Kingston and New York City and where my favorites are a ham and cheese croissant or an almond croissant all all the better. Um, I brought Frankie on a croissant date the other morning and all I had was an almond croissant and it was the most at bread alone. They're like, Oh yeah. The outside of Kingston. Absolutely. Um, but I also love being in the West village and going to, um, that sweet French, um, croissantery on, what is it? Eighth Avenue. Um, like, uh, I'll, I don't speak French, but yeah. Almerval de Fred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't do ham and cheese. They only do pan au chocolat and, and traditional croissants, not um, almonds. I mean, I love I love a good ham and cheese from Dominique Ansel. Of course, um, I find don't sleep on Dominique. Croissant land. I know you. I mean, it's if you want a legit laminated dough, yeah, um, that's where you go. But so I found myself wandering off into croissant land a lot lately. Um, we eat a fair amount upstate. I think both because and in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, I think part because we like bringing Frankie out. That's she's a COVID baby, but also I think we both uh, see that as something that we didn't necessarily have growing up that we think is just, it's fun and it's interesting and engaging Mm -hmm. to watch her experience the world. Um, Laser Wolf is definitely a a family favorite. What an incredible concept. I love Laser Wolf. So good. So good. What a great idea. Yeah, we live not too far away from Chouquette, so the idea of walking to dinner never gets old as uh, on on the New York City nights. And then we recently went to um, uh, in upstate this restaurant called Clay. It's part of Windflower Farms. Oh, cool. Or Wildflower Farms, pardon me. Just delicious. Wow, I don't know about Clay. Um, you never know what you're going to get upstate. I love it. And that's part of the fun of it. But uh, we also brought Frankie to Buffalo Wild Wings the yeah. other night because a football game was on and we were like, let's teach this girl how to like scream <laughs> at the television and like get her fingers dirty. Definitely. You, know? you have to start young with, with Buffalo Wings, especially when you're <laughs> upstate. I have to shout out one croissant place in, uh, in upstate in Orange County, Cafe Yen in Goshen. Oh. Oh. makes a really great qu- croissant and I'm glad I could shout it out on the taste podcast. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, it's great. Okay, Christina, we ask all guests on the taste podcast, if you could write a book without the burden of time, meaning you have no deadline, or the burden of budget, meaning you have all the money in the world, mm. what would that book be? I don't have to worry about marketing it or anything. You don't have to worry about marketing it or positioning it. You don't have to worry about it selling it's all about the dream cookbook project without the all those other external al- externalities that make you do what you do with cookbooks. I would like to know what's your what's your dream cookbook or your food okay, culture. Okay, well, book? I have I have two I have two books. Um, neither one of them are necessarily a cookbook. One has always been um, a dream uh, since, or at least early days of Milk Bar, since we had like a customer service line. It's a coffee table book. And it's crazy things that customers say. Um, And it's everything from gift notes, like things that customers say to one another, to like things that someone sending themselves a care package will like write on their own gift note to themselves, to like 
insane um, confessions through our customer experience hotline 222. I have saved so many of them throughout the years. So one would be that just because I just, I think it's a brilliant study in so many different ways. And then I think the other would be a coffee table book as well. um, That uh, I would call something like, um, like, things to do in a day that make you happy that are like the bit, the usually the little things in a day Mm. that occupy very little time that make the difference between a forgettable day and an unforgettable day. Cause I find I have been better these last a few years about protecting some of that free time because, you know, uh, to, to be forever fueled, you have to, you have to find those, those R and R moments, but like a book of things that just delight you in a day, whether it's like find always stopping when you see a sign for a yard sale or yeah. like, yeah, going literally just getting in the car and going to get it. If you wake up early on a weekday morning, go to the grocery store and shop for apples. I love it. <laughs> like the things that are just random that we forget yeah. about when we condition ourselves to be grown ups and rule followers. I would so take your advice on happiness because I think you you live your truth <laughs> and it your truth is is joy and it's such a pleasure talking to you, Christine, and seeing you. Thank you for joining the Taste Podcast. Oh my gosh, to croissants and upstate together. Let's my do friend. it. See you soon. <laughs> <laughs> what is up, Eliza? Not much, Matt. How are you? I'm great. I wanted to talk about travel a little bit because we're all, it's it's cold and we're, we're on Instagram. We're looking at all these cool places to go. Had to talk about Taste Travels. We, we just launched this new exciting feature on Taste. It's called Taste Travels. We've launched one trip and we're going to be announcing a few more trips very soon. But the first trip is with a friend of mine and a cookbook author, amazing chef named Susie Karache, she's the author of The Mediterranean Dish, and we are hosting a trip to Puglia this June. There is a link in the show notes if you want to join us. It's going to be a lot of fun. It sounds it sounds really fun. Is there anywhere that you're most excited to go on the trip? Well, yeah, like Puglia is a place in Italy. It's a, it's a region of Italy that I've never been. Uh, Susie um, is a big fan of it and will be taking uh, uh, many, many of her fans and, and readers of taste around the region. And, I mean, Lecce, this is the town of Lecce, the town of Bari. Uh, there's going to be um, a lot of cooking happening. It's going to be part a part of Italy that I, as I said, have never been to and I think is a little less talked about than, like, say, you know, Sicily, that, that place, Sicily, that everyone, you know. <laughs> never heard of it. Never heard of it. Um, but... So I wanted to announce that on the show, but also I wanted to talk to you about some upcoming travels for yourself, and I'll share a few of mine. So where are you heading this winter spring? I'm very excited. I feel like, like many other New Yorkers, I'm leaving the city uh, in the winter for a little bit, at least to get myself over my seasonal depression. And I'm going <laughs> uh, back to Mexico City, which nice. is a city that um, I really love going to, and this is going to be my fourth trip there. So I have some places I want to return to. I have so many new places that I want to go to. I feel like it is the kind of city that you just learn more and more about, and then there's just so much more to do. The, the thread keeps on getting pulled. Lots of questions about Mexico City. It, 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 are you a digital nomad? 
Not really. Uh, I mean, I could technically work from anywhere, but most of the time I'm sitting at my desk in Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, but I think I did. I was already planning on going to Mexico City with my family for my dad's birthday. We're going to go to Mexico City and then also San Miguel de Allende. Yeah. And then I think I was realizing that I didn't actually need to be in New York um, in the cold and that I could work there from at least a little bit more. And yeah. eventually... Um, brought in a work component to my trip as well, which I could talk a little bit about. So it's kind of a, a nice um, double header. Yeah, exciting. We'll talk about that. But at first, when you go to Mexico City, um, there's like the high-end spots, Pujol, and there's like obviously a lot of places to have uh, tacos on the street. Where, how do you like to eat when you're in Mexico City? Do you do you go to restaurants or are you always like looking for tacos? I'm always looking for tacos, like not just in Mexico City, but in my life as a whole. Truths, yeah. Truths. Um, and I also am not a big fan of like very formal dining here in New York. So I think I like to travel there similarly to how I live here. Yeah. And I'll have a couple um, kind of special meals, especially with my family coming. We're going to go to Contramar together, which yes. is classic for a lunch. Um, get those tuna tostadas that are yeah. so great. Get that large fish that has a stripe of, of, of green sauce on it. Yeah, there's they do the two-toned yeah. um, red and green salsa fish, which is super good. Yeah. Uh, but most of the time, I, I feel like I like to just walk around, maybe get a glass of wine somewhere because there's some great natural wine bars in the city. Definitely get some mezcal and then also just, you know, pick up tacos along the way um, and eat as many as I possibly can. That's cool. And so what? You're, there's a work component. There's something cool happening there that you're going to be involved with. Yeah, well, the Index Art Book Fair happens every year in Mexico City. It's a really cool international fair. And um, I realized it was happening just while I happened to be there, which was too late, um, mm -hmm. of course, to get like our own stand in the fair. Um, but Cakezine, which is the magazine that I co-edit with Tanya Bush that I've talked about a little bit on the podcast before, is going to be selling at the fair through Casa Bosques, which is a really fantastic bookstore that is nice. one of the co-sponsors mm -hmm. for the fair. Um, so I'm really excited about that because we'll get to have like our foot in it. And I also get to spend hours walking around the art book fair and looking at all of the different cookbooks and zines and posters and all of the things that will be there. Yeah, Index is great. And I've, I've always wanted to go and I want you to bring back some cool books and talk about them, like cookbooks that maybe aren't um, from the States that maybe we'll be inspired by. Yeah, I would love to do that. I love having a brief for my shopping because most nice. of the time when I go to Mexico City, I feel like um, I bring an empty duffel bag and then I just stuff it with everything that I see. But I think I need mm -hmm. some some guardrails this time. Yeah. So. What do you what do you buy when you're there? Are you are you buying like market goods like salsa mancha or are you buying like textiles like what do you what's cool there I think it depends on like what I'm looking for sure. I moved earlier this year and I definitely could use some more kind of decor and touches around my home I got a really great um kind of like ceramic key holder the last mm. time I was in Mexico City that is no longer in my possession mm. so that's a specific ask and then I know that <laughs> when we go to the San Miguel area there's a big textile tradition so I'll pick up some stuff there I don't normally bring back a lot of food just because um I think that like I don't know if the border patrol's listening, but I don't know if that's allowed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're you're a rules follower. Uh, to an extent, yeah. I definitely think a lot of like ceramics and all nice. of that. Um, but we'll see what I can find this time. You have to go to Guanajuato and go to the uh, Mummy Museum there. Yeah, I definitely would like to go. I was um, looking up photos of that, and it was um, quite vivid. Yeah. Um, and definitely want to get a lot of barbacoa, uh, I think hmm. just like on the drive around there yeah. um, to fuel up. Absolutely. Very cool. I can't wait to hear about Mexico City. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to go as well. Um, and I'm curious if you have any travel coming up too. 
I am. I'm going to Israel. I've been um, a few times. This is my third trip in like five years. But this trip is going to be fun because um, I'm taking my, uh, my my mom and my father-in-law with us. So it's going to be my wife and Abba and mom and Beersheba and Shevazion and Tel Aviv and eating a lot of great food. It's going to be really fun. And um, is there anything like new that you're trying to do, or is it more of like showing the mishpocha around, like at all the old school <laughs> spots? Definitely, we're, we're going to his uh, his town uh, and going to hang out with his friends. And there's going to be a party, um, which will be interesting because it's like older Israeli folks who like fought in the war with him. And um, I think it'll be a hell of a party. I'm pretty excited to to, to be there for that. Um, but for the most part, uh, it's half visiting some of his his spots and then half of it is Tel Aviv and I've definitely talked about it on the show but Tel Aviv is by far one of my top three cities in the world it is so fun to visit Tel Aviv it is not just one of the best food cities in the world but there is a real openness there with everyone just kind of existing in, in in a love of, of food and partying and shopping and the beach. It's on the water. If you've never really looked at a map, it's right there on the Med, and it's extremely nice to go hang out at the beach in Israel. So I'm going to do that too. I'm really jealous about the beach trip. I think um, that's like the one thing about going to Mexico City is that it is um, very inland. Yeah. Are there any like beach snacks that are popular in Tel Aviv? Definitely. I think um, I love getting um, the orange juices at the market, like uh, Shoot Carmel, and then like kind of walking around town. Um, I love I love it. And Glita is really good. That's ice cream, uh, mm. but more like gelato. And I always go on like a Glita crawl of sorts. Um, when I'm there, because the, it really is fantastic. It's the dairy in Israel is extremely good, um, and I think there is a real craft. And I, I have to write about this one day about the actual places. I know there's a place in Haifa that I re- I love going to, and there's a couple places in Beersheba that are known for ice cream, but they get the texture right. It, it has I like gelato a lot more than like um, than traditional um, like egg-based ice creams mm-hmm. so i um i enjoy i enjoy glita quite a bit yeah that sounds great and i also feel like limonana i don't know if you can like drink that on the beach because it, it's yeah. if anyone hasn't had it before it's a blended lemon ice mint drink love that that i make a lot in the summer and i don't know if it would hold up very well on the beach but if there's anything like a nutcracker culture that we have here yes. in in brooklyn with drinks on the beach i think that one would be pretty good i would love i'm going to check out some limonada and so i'm also going to la i'd love to get a take um from you cuz you just visited um you went home to your family give me one or two spots i need to go to when i'm in la Oh, definitely. Um, well, I went to Northern Thai Food Club for the first time nice. this past trip when I was in L.A., which is a strip mall, Thai town restaurant um, that was just really phenomenal. Um, the woman who runs it specializes in fermented pork sausage, uh, and it's so packed with lemongrass and all of these other herbs. It has this um, really like fine consistency for a sausage that I really liked and even convince some of my family members that maybe wouldn't mm. necessarily want to order that. Everyone really loved that. So I would definitely say that. And I also went to El Russo for tacos, yeah. of course, um, on Sunset Boulevard in Silver Lake, which is a taco truck that's kind of parked in a supermarket parking lot over there. And they have the most beautiful, like pliable, flexible flour mm-hmm. tortillas wrapped around carne asada, 
Um, I think I got carnitas also and a chile relleno taco, which is like definitely hangover fuel. So great. I love any relleno is good for me, for me pretty much, even the bad ones. Yeah. Um, I like 1986. I've been there. I, yeah. Yeah. I haven't been to Russo in a minute and I like uh, fish tacos in Sonata. Is that place still on the east side? Do you ever go to that truck in hmm. uh, Boyle? No, that's an Echo Park, I think. I'm not sure. You know, there's yeah. so many like Marisco style taco trucks yeah. in East LA that are phenomenal. Marisco Salisco yeah. is really popular. Um, and Tacos 1986, I think, is phenomenal. And they do really good. I just want to shout out their vegetarian options because nice. I think um, as someone that eats mainly plant based, like tacos are the one reason I think that I really love to eat meat. Yeah. Uh, but they have a really good mushroom taco and a mushroom vampiro that is um, really worth having. I need to link to our vampiro story from Dylan Ho from like three years ago. I love that piece. He, he really breaks down the LA vampiro. Got to hit him up. Also, 1986, Tacos 1986. What a great font. Yeah great font game they have a good font and they also have a location by ucla kind of more on the west side which is where i'm from and most of the good tacos in la are on the east side so i am partial to them because when i want tacos and i don't want to spend the whole day kind of going Mm -hmm. um they are always there for me i've been to that location on campus actually that in 1986 i stumbled upon it i don't know why i was in that part of la but i was like oh my god there's an 86 here (laughs) yeah there's some there's it's a weird part of la for food because it's kind of college campus vibes but in the city but um the next time you're over there diddy reese is like the have you had that before no i haven't it's a cookie ice cream shop that is very popular among UCLA kids, or at least it was when I was growing up, um, so that was a little while ago, but... Uh, really good to go there, and they will do an ice cream sandwich between two cookies of your choosing. Oh, sick. I like that. Really fun. Um, and also over there, the In-N-Out is, I think, one of the better In-N-Outs in the Wait, city. Wait, you, like, can rank In-N-Outs? In the city? Yeah, of course. No way. <laughs> I don't think I can rank, like, Shake Shacks. I can't rank, rank McDonald's. So how do you rank an In-N-Out burger? Mm, I think it's probably rooted the most in my experience. But I do think that, um, well, number one, the one by LAX is really great because yeah. you can sit in the parking lot and watch the planes taking off really close. I've been there. That's a good one. Yeah, I feel like for the scene, that's nice because it's like, oh, I'm in LA, I'm eating in and out But I do think that that in and out by UCLA, um, I don't know, something about their milkshakes to me oh, cool. tastes better. I've never had a milkshake in and out I'm going to hit that up on my trip. Neapolitan. They'll do a chocolate strawberry one for you if you ask. Very cool choice. I like that. Thank you, Eliza. It's great catching up about travel. Yeah, thank you. The Taste Podcast is hosted by me, Matt Rodbard. It's produced by Pat Stango and edited by Clayton Gumbert. Theme music by Steve Rydell. Visit Taste Online at tastecooking.com and make sure to subscribe to our newsletter. Thanks for listening.